Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Steph and this is episode 7 and the final one of the Motherhood series on the Don't Buy Her Flowers podcast. I'm recording this intro from a B&B again. I'm down in Gloucestershire at the Don't Buy Her Flowers warehouse. It's been a big week. We were on the telly. Um, we were on Lorraine in the Mother's Day gift guide, which was awesome. Just really cool as a small business to reach that many people. Um, I don't know how many viewers they have, but it will be in the millions. And um, orders went completely wild, which was amazing. Um, except it was at 9.30 at the exact same time that me and Doug were sitting on those teeny tiny little red chairs in the garden of Frank's nursery to watch a karate demonstration. Um, and yeah, we just walked in the gate. I could see the team WhatsApp going wild. Lorraine was just starting the segment and we're watching Frank doing his karate chops and he was so giddy to have us in his nursery. I think because of COVID we haven't been, the parents can't go in. Um, and he was so excited and I did take a minute to go bloody hell my senses are in overdrive like business that I've been working on for eight years is having a lovely moment and it was really exciting and the team are all excited and like yeah we're gonna do this with all the orders coming in and at the same time I'm watching my youngest just perform his little heart out <laughs> with his very good excellent chops he got a certificate um, yeah I think that's where a lot of us spend a significant amount of time anyway just in this overdrive overwhelm um so it's just a classic example of it really so on to today's guest um it is the wonderful m Smythe. so i wanted to speak to m because we often hear limited versions of motherhood and there are so many versions m became a mum after adopting her first daughter near the start of the pandemic and her second earlier this year so she's two um kids who are two and a half and under so quite full-on um, and as she says there's so much misinformation around adoption and I think a lot of secrecy um, perhaps because of how and why adoption was done in the past um, so she talks with me about their decision to adopt and the process and also how she found becoming a parent alongside her husband um, and it includes conversation around mum guilt and overwhelm which are recurring themes that have come up in all of the conversations I've had we also talk about her relationship with her body. So Em is a plus size model. And if you look at her Instagram, you'll see that she is gorgeous, often has her bum out, um, but also she looks gloriously confident. And she says it took some work for her to feel that way. And it's kind of an ongoing process. 
As I said, this is the last episode of this series, but I've already got some cracking guests lined up for the next series, including an illuminating conversation with Dr. Karen Gurney, AKA the sex doctor. Um, and she talks about sex and desire in long-term relationships. And what she says I feel could be invaluable to so many couples who feel like, well, that their sex life is kind of dwindled and is a bit over. Um, it's a huge topic. But if you could subscribe on iTunes or follow on Spotify to this podcast, then you will be notified when that goes live. Um, but for now, over to today's main event. Um, I started by asking Em, how are you? So I have had better weeks. I will be completely honest with you. We're just getting over the COVID, not ideal. Um, and the COVID with two children was not quite what I thought it would be. It was much worse, infinitely worse. Oh, man. It's been a wild ride. But I'm sure a lot of other women will know that. I'm sure there's a lot of us who've been through that recently. Yeah, but it's still a lot. Well, so what? I, mm. the reason I really wanted to talk to you, so we met a few years ago on a shoot that was my one and only stint at modeling <laughs> which is ridiculous because you were incredible no, no, no. so it's okay I'm, I'm <laughs> leaving that behind me it's fine but yeah and so we met there but I obviously then following you and seeing what you do and then one kid popped up and then two kids mm -hmm. popped up so in, in you went into lockdown with no children and you've come out with two and obviously I've learned through your posts and stuff that you've adopted and I just really wanted to talk to you because obviously it's a different experience so I suppose it's yeah. a bit about how it's different how it's the same but also it's not something that people know that much about and I know you've said that there's loads of misinformation around adoption there is yeah that's what I really wanted to talk to you about and also just your journey to motherhood and, and what made you adopt and all that stuff well tell you what then let's start from the moment that we met because that actually it has been a wild ride since yeah. then I can remember vividly sitting down with you and I was actually going through a bit of turmoil at the time mm. myself just trying to decide whether I wanted to have children, whether I wanted to be a mother. And I think that's one of the big things about me is not necessarily whether I want to do something, but the identity that goes with mm. that, which is wild. And I was the same when it came to marriage. Did I want to be a wife? Mm. Did I want to be a mother? And a lot of that comes down to the ideas that I myself have put on those two roles. And I can remember sitting down and talking with you and, and, and listening to you talk and you are so beautifully honest about motherhood, about how <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> well, you didn't put me off. Okay, so that's good, something. Good, yeah. uh, but you, you were so honest about what it is and also how that is in terms of an identity and how, how you maintain your own identity. And I can remember you talking about rushing back to work and how we kind of, in a way, we, we are often pushed to be the person who has everything. And I sat and I thought, I haven't really thought about it that way before. I, I thought that was my decision, but actually is it coming at me from every angle yeah. that I should be doing everything or I should be doing nothing. There's no in between. So there were quite a lot of conversations, a lot of soul searching around that time, around what I wanted to do, because in the past I had losses as a lot of women have. And I think for a lot of women, when you lose a child, it opens up conversations in your head. But for me, the conversations I was having in my head weren't all the ones that I'd read about in magazines and on the internet and in books. I didn't feel like a grieving mother. I felt like, gosh, 
this isn't just a thing that happens. I actually have to take some active decisions in this. It may be something that I can't do naturally. And I say that in inverted Mm -hmm. commas because there's nothing more natural than adoption in a sense, but maybe biologically I can't have children. I have to make that decision now. Do I potentially spend the next few years of my life, potentially, you know, 10, 20 years looking into IVF, looking into all that kind of thing, or or what are my options? Mm. And I realized then that as women, we do not talk about what our options are. We do quite a lot of this alone. We decide it's like I say, all or nothing. So obviously my husband was involved in in this as well. It wasn't just conversations I was having with myself. I mean, it was mostly conversations I was having with myself, but I did involve him in the conversations and we decided to just put the conversation aside because we love our life. We love it now. We loved it Mm. then. And I know you understand that as well, because you're, you're a big lover of life and embracing whatever stage you're in at the time. Well, and you love each other as well. That's probably worth pointing out. I can tell you've posted a few things where you've really talked about your relationship and what you've learned about from being with your husband, about yourself, about how you are not half of a couple. You are a whole and he is a whole and then you've come together. So I think that is plays a big part as well because you've got to be pretty solid to have children and I think you've got to be pretty solid to go down the route that you did as well oh my goodness yes Mm. and and I'm a big believer in always thinking of the worst case scenario so you could be in a relationship that seems like a dream relationship but when the bad times come and they do happen Mm. are you still going to be as strong and I knew that having children wasn't going to be a bad time as such but it was going to be a hard Mm -hmm. time and I knew that we were strong enough to take whatever is thrown at us and you're right we're not two halves we're two separate people we're very 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 different people Mm. I'm just a big squishy softy you know I'm basically a jellyfish in both appearance and um, (laughs) mentality (laughs) but he and he's very pragmatic Mm. he's very he will tend to think about the negatives rather than the positives so we had a lot of soul searching between us and this is going to sound absolutely bonkers but one day I just thought I wonder what adoption's like and and my dad was adopted Mm. and I started thinking about it and something inside of me just kind of clicked and I don't know what it was Mm. but it just said yeah this is the right route for you this takes away the worries you have this brings additional joy that you didn't weren't thinking about before Mm. and it wasn't that we just then went and adopted because flipping heck, it's a process mm. that I'm more than happy to talk you through, mm. but it was more of a, let's have a look into this. This is an option. Let's look at the options. And so I went to an adoption open evening with my husband and I just kind of, from that moment, I thought, this is just the thing for me. And I can't describe it. It's so it. interesting um, that you just had this mm, feeling. Oh my gosh, just an epiphany. And something that I'm very frank about is that adoption is not like a crazy hippy-dippy, oh, look, aren't we doing something wonderful and good here? It's not. You have got to be selfish in it as well. It's not just about, I mean, gosh, you speak to people and you did ask me, what are the things that you wish people would stop doing Mm -hmm. or not say? And, oh, my gosh, the teary-eyed look on people's faces when they go, you're just doing something so beautiful. It's like, nah, trust me, it ain't beautiful. Nothing beautiful about this. 
That's so interesting. So my, I grew up, I'm one of six and my mum and dad um, fostered and adopted. So I grew up with it. I think, I think the whole process has changed quite a lot. I think you probably have checked out mm. a bit more than they used to. <laughs> by, by the paperwork and stuff. <laughs> what are you yeah, saying about yeah, your parents? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they had four of us biologically and then they fostered yeah. and adopted and we had short-term fostering long-term fostering and then I ended up with another brother and sister you know who are my brother and sister and long-term but mum will say that she gets that all the time like people saying gosh what a wonderful person you must be Mm. and it makes her really cross in fact you're probably quite similar in ways she makes her really cross and she's like you either have it in you or you don't it's not yeah just because you're a do-gooder oh my gosh yeah because uh, I ain't I'm not but it sounds <laughs> really as if that is, it was almost something clicked and it was like I could do that that's my way that's yeah. how I'm gonna be a mum yeah a hundred percent and the other thing you get a lot of people saying oh I thought about adopting because they want you to think they're a good person exactly yeah. but it's got goodness there is no morality in adopting mm. we wanted children and there were these incredible children that were just meant meant for us and it doesn't erase any of the identity prior to coming to us and one came to us in two years ago mm-hmm. mid-pandemic oh bleak yeah. times and the other little girl's been with us for two months now and can, how old are they so one is two and a half mm-hmm. the other one is one Mate. and Mate. so I know I know okay. I would not recommend yes. this <laughs> full on okay <laughs> yes <laughs> Yeah, but they they are they're gorgeous. You know, they're just absolutely wonderful. There's nothing hippy dippy about it. There's nothing mm. romantic about it. I, I, it's just, it just was right. It's just was meant to be. Mm. So I think you know when we're talking when we're talking about adoption, about making the decision to adopt, you can't go into it with these sort of heart shaped glasses and and love hearts floating around in the sky and it's going to be magical and wonderful because it is still parenthood. Yeah. I'm still a mum and my children can still be monsters at times. They're mostly incredible and I'm very, very lucky. Gratitude comes a long way into it because I do feel gratitude every day. Mm. But it's not romantic. I don't know how to I don't know how to get that into people's heads. No, and I guess maybe there are some people who go into it with the view of like, I want maybe they've had some kids and they want to help some more or they've gone into I don't know. There are I suppose there are different routes in. But of it's not always are. necessary that someone is some heroic figure oh, no. that's doing it for the good of just other people. Or Yeah, I think that's a yeah. funny one. The other thing you said about it as well is about, um, I was listening to your live and you were saying about you can't have an ego, especially when it comes to like their biological family. Or yeah. And I thought that was really interesting because I think that's something that people would just find the concept of quite hard. Yeah. Now, I'm, I've always been quite good at sharing, so... I am quite laid back in a lot of, in a sense, that doesn't stop me giving every single part of me to my girls. Mm. So I don't hold anything back from them thinking, oh, they're not mine because they are, they're my daughters. Mm. But they existed before I came along Mm. and they were going to exist whether I came along or not. Mm. And there's a lot of different backgrounds that a child could come from. And some of them are incredibly hard to hear about incredibly sad and because they are because we have hearts and and it'd be wrong if we didn't find them hard and sad because these are children at the end of the day but there's also just there's times when their parents couldn't have them they're just not ready for children but that doesn't mean that there's a, a horror story or a bad story it's not sad it's just 
I kind of see it as working as a team. And I know that sounds really silly, but I didn't bring them into the world. Somebody else did. Mm. I have been in contact with them. I think incredibly highly of them. There's so much, so, so much love in both directions. But you can't have an ego because these people existed. You know, they they were going to exist whether you were there or not. Mm. Yeah. And there's this sort of nature nurture thing as well. They bring little bits of what made them with them for you to enjoy and love. Yeah. One of my brothers, his biological dad was at his wedding, as were my parents. And I can remember just thinking, God, that's massive, like for everyone involved. But that's what he wanted. And they were really okay with it because they've each played a role. Yeah. It's they have different roles. Yeah. Exactly. And I and I think for me that would be the dream because it would mean that we've got something right. Mm. Because part of part of our future is going to be explaining to our girls where they've come from and helping them to understand that yeah there might be some negatives but overall it's incredibly positive Uh, I don't want them to be ashamed of anything I don't want there to be any secrets and that's something that's really changed over the years when my dad was adopted he wasn't told until he was quite a bit older and it was kept as a secret It it was the family secret and what that must do to a child's to their ego and to their sense of self is just insane you're so right actually I can think of a few people I know as adults who has still got a lot going on where and this isn't in my family like people I've met along the way where it was secrecy and then they don't quite know where they came from so yeah what a gift that you can do both basically and I really do hope so and social services have a really big part to play in Mm. that as well Mm. one of the things we were told in our training was that you need to be ready to advocate for your children and one of the first examples of that has been advocating for them with social services because we know how much pressure they're under now more than ever Mm. when you think about what's happened during COVID when you think about domestic violence rates and that type of thing social services are under more pressure than ever and you have to be kind of ready to push and move things along if needs be we have the most incredible social workers involved just phenomenal women who I don't know how they do what they do because it's incredible it's a tough tough Um, job it is a tough Mm. job and to have them supporting us has been magic but there are times when you have to push things Mm. along yourself Mm. and I think that's going to be a bit of a story for the future as it is for all mums you have to advocate for your children but I think particularly with children who have been looked after children there's just more opportunities for them to to slip through the gaps with certain things and well I'm not having it and I think a lot of people in my shoes feel the same way Mm. Without going into like all of the process, because that would take up the whole podcast. (laughs) Yeah, but but you basically you step forward and say we would like to look into adoption. How long Mm. is that process, and how do they? What's the process of finding a child? It's very much how long is a piece of string. We at the beginning we went to the open night, and then we kind of sat back a bit and had a lot of time to think you then go into different phases of the adoption process uh, and the first part is more kind of fact finding people will come in and meet you at your house social workers come around they'll find out about your relationship you are asked questions that you've never thought about before mm. and I found that bit really hard I think that was probably the most challenging part of the adoption process leading up to our what daughters questions coming about home. you as a couple or questions oh, about you as an individual yeah 
Both. Both. And questions about your opinions and things and views on things. And as I I said before, my husband and I are very different. And we're very lucky that we have a social worker who got him quite early on. Uh, I I could give you a good example of one of the things he said Mm. was, they ask, would you like a girl or a boy? I mean, what... Who can answer that question just straight off? It's difficult, isn't it? Yeah. Well, um, and, and also, when, whatever you end up with, generally, then you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, kind of so my husband's response, though, <laughs> yeah. um, was, I only want girls because boys grow up to be serial oh, killers. Not yours, though, because yeah. you're I, trying to adopt. No. <laughs> so, whoops <laughs> all boys yeah, all of good. them every last right. one um and this was his this was his comment to the social worker and I've never in my life wanted to like I don't know <laughs> become a serial killer yeah, myself yeah, or yeah. just just to just to rid Shut myself of him out off. of my view yeah. oh exactly yeah. and I was he was too far away for me to kick and I was just like oh <laughs> Oh, oh, you're so funny. And I'm like, when she's gone, yeah. you are done yeah. for me. Um, so it, it was a difficult time. Things like that where I was just like, I can't believe. Well, and you couldn't you possibly, I guess you couldn't rehearse all the questions because you didn't know what they were going to ask. So No, and nor should you. No. Nor should you because these questions are to find out how you feel and to get you to understand how you feel about things as well. That was his most memorable moment. But there were there were quite a few. And on the training, one day after training, because at, at the end of phase one, you go to, um, you have a couple of weeks of training, which is really useful I do not like learning things I stop learning at school I'm rubbish I can't sit in a classroom environment I'm just like away with the fairies but it was really really interesting we learned a lot about um, the psychology of children and about how trauma can impact family life and it was really really useful but the things he came out with there I just it's a wonder he's still free never mind has children he's he's just <laughs> off his rocker most oh, of the time man. so I found that hard because we were finding things out about each other yeah. as well and they weren't always things that we agreed on and I found it very difficult because you can't shape somebody else's opinion why would you want to I married him because I love mm. him why would I want to change him but there were a lot of views that were different but it was it was good because going through that process got us to discuss things that we'd never thought God, about well before. and we didn't have that process we just a baby no. turns up and you kind of go ah oh, shit we haven't discussed all this stuff so actually <laughs> exactly. it's probably something yeah. that you could do with more people who are having kids possibly possibly but then it does at the same time that forces you to overthink every single yeah. element yeah and overthinking is probably something you shouldn't do when you're gonna have a child because you're exhausting yourself before you've even had the opportunity to actually be exhausted well and i suppose you're doing it without the kid there who could be they'll all be different anyway you can't actually plan exactly for, yeah. yeah and there was a lot of that as well in five years time what do you think you'll be doing right in the future what happens if your child if they happens what happens if this happens and those are difficult questions to answer and particularly if you're like if you're quite a laid-back person who just takes life as it comes they're they're difficult things to get your head around so that's that's the first part and then as I say you've got the training and then it comes into the family finding and that's where children are matched with parents we were so fortunate and I've I've heard from people who it's taken years but we we were incredibly fortunate that the day before we went to panel which is where you have a group of 
um, both peers and professionals who will ask you questions. They look through all the paperwork that's been produced during the adoption process mm-hmm. um, and they decide whether they feel that you are suitable to adopt. And the day before that, we were sent through a profile of a little girl who's now our oldest daughter mm-hmm. and our social worker said it feels a bit early it feels a bit soon I don't want to put you off I was in two minds about sending you this but there's just something about it and I read through the profile and she was just the dream I mean it's very difficult because it feels like you're shopping for a baby and (laughs) and that's not a nice it's not a nice feeling at all it's a it's an unpleasant feeling because well, if what you mix? go, oh, not that one. Yeah, that probably feels a bit exactly, <laughs> exactly. And there, and there are elements of that. So we, like I say, we were lucky. Mm. Um, and then, and then the day of panel, we we were told that we'd been sort of shortlisted to the last two, and that's weird oh in my itself God, as well. Yeah, I know, I know. And we were just trying to be really laid back and chilled about it all. And then the next day, we were told, yeah, if you'd like to come and meet her. <gasps> and oh, I know it really is difficult. And I think. We were lucky in that sense that we were matched, whereas in some situations, there's a magazine, there's a website. It's a bit like Tinder, yeah, like but gosh. with babies, and and it's not nice. It's not a nice feeling. Mm. What was that first meeting like? Oh gosh, it was intense. It was really intense. Because how old was she at that point? So she was ten months. Oh, ten months. Cute. And I know it was intense. She was beautiful. There was no doubt about mm. that. But what what can you really tell about a ten year old, ten month old? Mm. Sorry, other than other than how they look. I wanted to meet her, but I didn't really know what we were meant to do. Mm. You know, is she what, supposed you, to like uh, put her arms out? Are we, for are we you checking or... for oil levels or yeah, like yeah, what, what are we doing? Really... How many miles are on and her? Also, like, presumably, you it's... hadn't had loads of experience around kids that age, so no, yeah, no. But it was we walked in to meet the foster parents who again. Oh, now they're the incredible people that we can get teary-eyed over, from my opinion, because mm. they are doing something phenomenal. They're giving children the first taste of what a guardian, what a carer can look yeah, like. Should be, yeah, for for yeah. a lot of children, and that's getting them off to the start in life that they deserve. And both our girls came through the same foster parents, right. and to me, they're going to be part of our life forever. Mm. They're like aunties and uncles and they're like they've shaped the early months of of our girls lives so um yeah we went to meet them and we just kind of sat there and and played and pressure did you feel a pressure like yeah don't cry is everything you like like you do like you do if you're spending time with oh well you were told on you were told on the training don't cry because it'll scare the kids and I was like oh no now now I'm now I'm terrified that I'm gonna cry and then if I cry then I'll cry more because I'm crying and I know I shouldn't be crying and oh no but I kind of put a bit of my heart away I think Mm. I I kind of shut off a bit of my heart a bit of my brain that day because I was like just don't get attached because somebody will ring you the next day and say I was gonna say did you know at that point that that was your daughter or had they not completely confirmed it yet not completely right, okay, confirmed so anything can yeah, happen yeah, at that okay. point but when but when when I walked out the door I knew mm. I knew I couldn't say it to my husband because I knew he'd be like oh gosh oh you're gonna all stop it this is it now <laughs> um but I just sat there and I said to myself that's my daughter mm. that is my daughter and then how long before she came to live with you it was a couple of months okay. it's a bit like a transition period where you go and stay over in the area where your child's from and you get to know them in a really sort of joined up way with the foster parents as mm. well so it's not like here you go 
his child see you later mm. and she came home and then all of a sudden we had just been two very kind of lazy laid back adults in a house by ourselves and then there was a 10 month old there who was teething and who'd learned to crawl five days earlier and he just had gone through one of the biggest traumas of their lives Mm. off the back of a previous trauma and it was really really hard I can't lie I think it was the most challenging thing we've ever done and definitely I'm sure she if she could tell us she would tell us it was the most challenging thing she's ever done as well and that's when it comes to the point where you start to get a bit soppy about it because you just think flipping out what's this kid going through what can we do to try and make this life perfect for her and that's I think that's perhaps something that a lot of adopted parents have said that there's mother guilt mother guilt is just a thing that everyone has Mm. all mums have it's horrible Mm. nobody warned me about how bad it was it (laughs) is intense but when you've adopted you've also got that oh my gosh am I doing enough my sister actually said to me quite recently she said you sometimes tend to mother with guilt and I thought "Mm, that's something I was feeling but I didn't know it was something people were seeing Mm. And I found that really interesting. And I don't know if it means that I'm doing it better or worse. Not that I think there is a good, you know, there's no right way of Everything you've just described about how hard that first bit is and the mum guilt are things that a mum feels. Like, yeah. So, and and I guess it was was overnight that you then have a child in your house and you have a daughter. Like, that's big. Did you find it harder than you were expecting to find it? so much harder I've never in my life felt so alone so isolated so incapable as well even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars luxurious Italian leather bags and so much more plus Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm someone who, when I find something difficult or when something's going badly, I I fix it. Mm. So I'm lonely. I'll go find some friends then. Couldn't do any of those things. And I know that a lot of my friends, even without children, were feeling the same things. Everything felt very, very out of control. I also discovered that I do not do routine. I can't do routine. It sends me insane. It absolutely sends me insane. It's like I get a headache just thinking about routine. But obviously that year, all there was was routine, wasn't there? That's all we could do. We got up at the same time. We did the same things every day. We went for our silly little walks, for our silly little mental health. And these are the things that we just did. And it was, I saw my future stretching ahead of me and I was terrified because I didn't even have work to break it up. Mm. And to give you that Um, feedback, like when you, I think for anyone, when they've had a baby, when you then go back to work, that there's something about that familiarity. If you go back to your old job, you're like, I know how to do this. When you've spent the last however many months just feeling like you've got no idea. Not a clue. And I don't think any knew. Well, if there's a mum out there who knows what they're doing, I would love to meet them because I don't have a clue. And in a way, I don't want to know because... I actually quite like just freestyling it and hoping for the best. It's what works for us as a family. And um, yeah, that was without a doubt the most challenging time of my life. So there was an element that when it came to adoption number two, that I panicked. Okay. Yeah. I, I thought, yeah. is this going to be, is this going to be the same? Am I going to be lonely and not know what I'm doing and feel like I'm constantly ruining my child's life? Yeah. Or is it going to be different? And I'm very, very, very pleased to say it's incredibly mm. different. Because you, you've um, done it but, before. Like there, there's no way yeah. that first time that you can know. Like any, even if you've been around all the kids in the world, you still can't know how to do it. No, don't get me wrong. People reached out to me, but I really isolated myself. Mm. And I think it's because I was just... I didn't want any help. I wanted to do it myself and I wanted to get it right. But at the same time, I felt I couldn't. And I, I, I remember standing in the living room and just looking at the wall and just thinking, what, what am I going to do? What's going to happen? What will become of us? And there was all the general COVID anxiety yeah. as well of not knowing what this um, virus was, not knowing how it was going to impact us, worrying about not being able to get nappies, worrying about not being able to get formula. It was probably the most anxious I've ever been in my life Mm. but it did end it came to an end and I don't feel any of us are any worse off it was you know I think it was quite difficult taking her to nursery for the first time because I thought what she doesn't know what to do with children like what do they do but then I learned that children don't play together anyway they just play next to each other about three or four then they start to actually but before that they just snatch stuff and say mine mine a lot yeah (laughs) yeah yeah exactly that so she she was very happy going off and just standing next to other children for for a high high price um but she yeah it it was a it was a tricky tricky time Uh, but I, I just kept reminding myself it was no worse than what 
other new mums were going through. It all sounds the really familiar. So it's yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, I can't imagine doing it in lockdown. But then I think some of the, what you said about that you're like, well, I I need to work this out by myself and closing yourself off. I think again is really common. It took me to my third, so which I think when you mentioned our conversation when we met, I think Frank was one. So I was just mm. going through it, and that was such a difference because I accepted all the help I actively got all the help but yeah. I didn't do that with my first two at all and it was easier when I did do that for sure I do wish that the first time round I'd perhaps been a bit more laid back but at the same time I'm giving myself a break on it because I can't see how I possibly no. could have been you put me in that in the in that scenario again and I'll probably behave exactly the same yeah, way yeah 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 oh and it's it's massive and I saw you've posted about holidays. You posted things like, why didn't no one tell me about holidays with kids? Because until, I yeah. guess, until your first holiday with your child, you've been having a lovely time with your lovely husband. And then it's like, oh, my God, oh, shit. We just all we did was eat and drink and sleep yeah. and, and sit in the sunshine, sort of like move between the sunshine and the air conditioner and just you know late nights and late mornings I promise it gets better it's that first couple it's that first one especially one of my mates <laughs> I remember her saying I think they went to France and they drove so they could take all their baby shit and she said she sobbed the whole drive home <laughs> and, her, and her husband was sitting next to her going oh god oh shit and she just she was like I couldn't I was just mourning what used to be <laughs> life and it, joy yeah, happiness and, yeah. mean, and I think the, the thing that we, the reason we sometimes don't talk about it or we give ourselves a really hard time about it or we say, life's great, everything's great, is because we feel like we're <laughs> supposed to be so grateful and that in saying that, we're saying yeah. we don't want the kid and that's not it. It's just there's such an adjustment that you need we're just to, very tired. Yeah, we're so tired. <laughs> but you need to be able to say. Yeah, of course. Because a holiday is entirely different with kids. But I can remember we went away when the kids were maybe – three and five or something like that and Doug came home and cried because it had been a holiday <laughs> oh, that's what I need I look back on it with really happy memories yeah, always which it's, I mean doesn't that, isn't that a brain clever mm. to do that it's called repression isn't it really but <laughs> yeah. I, I, I look back on it with I look back and think of all the wonderful things we did the times when she wasn't screaming but what I would give as as tips to to mums taking their children away for their first holiday if you go to a shop and there's a unicorn in there that you put batteries in and it repeats everything that your child says, <laughs> do not buy that on day one of your holiday. It's a bad move. <laughs> Just don't do it. Think sensibly. Learn from my mistakes. Yeah, yeah. The unicorn's still going strong as well, which is, it is. It's just constantly it's still going strong. My, my husband put rechargeable batteries in it. Oh, oh God. Oh, but you yeah. talked about UI model. And if anyone wants to go and look at your Instagram feed, they'll see some a beautiful peachy bum because there's quite a lot of underwear. <laughs> there's not that many when you've got all clothes all on. <laughs> yeah. um, but you said that you, and so obviously fashion's really important, but you said that you lost all sense of style after having kids. You're like, well, I don't know what to wear. Oh my gosh, yeah. And there's two elements. There's the kind of practical element of you need to be able to move a bit quicker mm. and sort of do a lot more bending down which is not in your late 30s you start to lose that ability anyway mm. and you need to do more bending down and picking things up and wiping things and everything gets snot on it everything mm. so there's an element of that but there's also an element of what am I getting dressed up for I've got all these beautiful clothes and I get really excited about putting them on and then I put them on and I'm just going to Sainsbury's mm. like 
do I waste this on on the good people of Sainsbury's? <laughs> I mean, I wanted to burn everything that I'd worn in maternity on maternity leave. I think I wanted to burn because I just felt shapeless and yeah it's just not your normal it's not your normal clothes it's not your what the stuff that makes you no, feel it's good not who you are no no exactly and I think if so my sister she has her maternity wardrobe mm. that was quite easy for her to switch between because she had a bump so she had to get new clothes yeah. for the bump and then when the bump's gone she goes back into her other mm. clothes and and that seemed to make sense but for me I don't really have a start and end of when my style left me and and when it may come yeah. back um the other thing this year is I've decided to not buy as many clothes because it was just getting utterly ridiculous mm. how many clothes I had for somebody who never goes anywhere so I'm trying to trying to be a bit more sustainable and the issue with that then is that there's vintage which is just incredible I don't know if yeah. you've ever bought anything from vintage it's just it's like the best thing since sliced bread but now I've got a whole wardrobe of, of secondhand clothes which are still clothes so that I don't ethically need. you can feel good but you, you don't need them. <laughs> and it's not helping me stylistically because none of them go with anything else I've got in my wardrobe. So then I'm like, well, I'm going to have to get a pair of trousers to go with those. And flares seem to be in fashion, so I'll get some flares. But where am I going to wear flares? Because I live in a little town in the north of England where if I put the, like, you know, fluorescent flares on that everyone else is wearing, they're going to be like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> I say go for it. I say do it. Your cat died. Yeah. What's happening? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, there's just, it's, yeah, I, I lost it. But actually... I feel like I can find it again. I'm going out on Saturday and I'm feeling incredibly positive yeah. about the fact that I'm going to wear a frock yeah. that's clean, washed, no snot on yeah. it. So I think I can get it back. I'm feeling all right And about what that. about your relationship with your body? Because you've talked about that in the past as well and how that's changed. So how tall are you? I'm six foot and a size 18, okay. yeah. And can I just say as well, also have amazing red hair often coppered into some sort of beehivey shape or a bit of height. <laughs> There's a lot of Christina Hendricks in Mad Men going on, for sure. Oh, it's, thank it's you. Just, thank you, you know, so amazing. much. I think having daughters, for a lot of people I know who have daughters, they really have to change their their relationship with their body because they realise the impact that could have on their children. Mm. Um, talking about diets and constant exercise and all this kind of thing. But... I found that quite easy because I threw all that talk away years ago. I find it quite challenging sometimes the things that people say to my daughters, particularly when it comes to eating. And I don't think they realise they're doing it. So it's like things like good food, bad food. Yeah. Food doesn't have morality. Food is food. You eat food to fuel your body. You can enjoy food as well. It's, it's food. Mm. So my relationship with my body perhaps hasn't really changed very much. And other than I have less time to think about it. Mm. So I have less time to either admire or occasionally dislike what I see. But I definitely am more conscious of the world around me, I think, because I shut it off to myself a long time ago. And how did you do that? How did you shut it mm. off? What was the... Was there a moment? Was, or was well, it... I was just exhausted, you know. Yeah. I, was, I was just exhausted of, of thinking about it. It was just, I, I thought about how I looked all, all night, all day, mm. how I looked wrong in some way. And I think surrounding myself by positive reinforcement, Instagram was really good for that. So, sometimes changing the people I surrounded myself by as well because I had friends who all we would talk about was what we'd eaten that day mm. and what we were going to do to lose weight and what we were going to do to improve ourselves and again that's in inverted commas because it's silly to think that you're improving yourself by changing your appearance Shrinking you, yourself. you're not it's silly 
so that for me was a big thing was just surrounding myself by positive influences kind of getting into a bit of an echo chamber but it was like a safe echo chamber where it got me feeling comfortable so that when I came out of it I was like look you can't knock me I I actually like myself I appreciate how I look and also there's a lot to be said for body neutrality and I'm fortunate that I can because of my size being a size 18 I'm I'm towards the small end of plus size I can be quite neutral about my appearance Mm. I don't have to think about it all the time I can forget about it for larger women it's not that easy Mm. because we're reminded whether it be by healthcare or whether it be by society magazines that there is definitely a good body bad body rhetoric that you can't get away from But I've found taking a bit of a body neutral approach has helped me. And it frees up a lot of time in your head to do other things like 15 loads of washing (laughs) or hoovering or picking up raisins. (laughs) No, but it's the the headspace thing is massive. And I think that's, I think I've struggled a bit with the body positivity stuff because, well, first of all, quite often it's fronted by someone who's like a size 12, Mm. but also it still means you're thinking about your body. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's that's what body neutrality is about, right? So and also even things like yeah. um intuitive eating or healthy eating, it's like you're still having to really think about. And if you're exactly. someone yeah, if you're someone who has had an eating disorder like I have, then it still perpetuates that. There's still an element of control around yeah. it. And and that's kind of what we have sorry, I shouldn't say that we have to leave behind because it works for some people. Mm. Everybody's different. Mm. That's the that's the important thing to remember is that this intuitive eating, it might work for some people who haven't got disordered eating. It might yeah. be for them the absolute dream. Yeah. But for those of us who do have an element of disordered eating, actually what we want to be able to do is just not think about food all day long, mm. but to eat and to enjoy it, but also to just sometimes eat because we need to without having to apply any rules or control or morality to what we're doing to just be Mm. because there are people out there I find it wild that my husband can just sometimes he just eats like he doesn't he doesn't think about it sometimes he doesn't like sometimes he doesn't have a meal and it doesn't matter to him he's not eating I'm like really how can you do yeah yeah yeah. he's really he's like well it food is fuel and if I'm hungry I eat it and sometimes my body goes up a bit and sometimes it goes down a bit it's just he's so clear on it whatever his parents or his upbringing or whatever has done he has such a clear healthy attitude to it yeah but that takes some doing and everybody is different Mm. with that and so I wanted to to come on to talk to you about overwhelm and obviously this kind of rush hour so one of the other things I saw you post about was about the idea of having it all and Mm. everyone's version of that being different and I wondered if you could just talk about that a bit I, I think we, we're kind of ingrained to think that as a woman and as a mother, having it all is working, having a child, having a clean house, having all these things, you know, having a social life, going out, all these things, which that's not what everybody wants for a start. I loved what my life was like before children, mm. but having children has fitted in really nicely and some of the things have gone out the window, but I don't miss them so much. Some of them I, I do miss. And I, and I think this kind of having it all is what what is it? What what is it all? What does it mean? What how do we have it? And do we need to put pressure on ourselves to have it? Because I absolutely don't want to. <laughs> I find being a working mum hard at times, mm. and for me, a lot of that comes from the mum guilt. 
Yeah. And actually my employer is a, is a fantastic employer who makes life incredibly easy for me. And they, they really support work-life balance, but there's still times when I'll be in a meeting with colleagues whose children are off from nursery sick, my children are off from nursery sick, but they're okay because their wives are worrying about them. Mm. Whereas I'm the one worrying about them. And sometimes that feels incredibly unjust. Mm -hmm. And I just think I could be, performing a lot better if I wasn't worrying about my child I could be a much better mother if I wasn't worrying about work mm. but there's balance there's balance because I know I enjoy working I know that I love going to work I love doing my job it just makes me feel so fulfilled because there's not many small achievable goals in mothering mm. you said it earlier you know where you are with work and I appreciate that so I think there's a balance I do find it overwhelming I really really miss my independence I miss when somebody says to me do you want to do this I used to just say yes <laughs> spontaneity I could. <laughs> yeah I like because I could yeah. but that doesn't outweigh the joy I get from having no. my and children strength in being able to say I miss elements of my old life and yeah. I love my kids exactly and it seems like having it all means you're not complaining about yeah, anything. enjoying it all. Well, that's bullshit. It? <laughs> yeah. It's not going to happen. No. Before having children, I used to regularly say to my husband, if I die now, I die very, very happy. I've done everything I wanted to do. And that was before having children. And I feel like you don't have to miss something to want to add it onto your life. Mm. And I know that had we not had children I would still have been incredibly happy I wouldn't have felt like I'd missed out on anything because that would have been my choice to make you just have to and this comes back to the what I was saying about options you have to know what your options are you have to be able to make informed decisions about your own life you need to think about what you actually want not about what people are telling you you should want Mm. I've had two guests so Annie Mack and also Sarah Guanyoma two women who both said that they had a point in their lives where they looked at what success was for them and it involved looking Mm. at what they've currently got and working out what do they like about their life or what is there anything that they do want to change and I just think it's something that we don't do very often but the but the main point is that it's personal to the person yeah I feel incredibly successful right now because I've got through a pandemic with with a new baby yeah. that and that does I feel really 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 proud of yeah, that I, I if you'd have asked me at the time I, I wouldn't have done and I feel successful because my children generally are happy and safe and I'm happy and I'm safe and I'm protected and I've surrounded myself with by people that I just love and who love me and who care about me and what could be more successful mm. than that mm. and you've talked a bit online about sort of well feeling tired which is completely understandable with the phase that you're at <laughs> but and also a sort of anxious and it feeling too much mm. how does that overwhelm come out in you I reach a point where I feel very I'll feel very tearful mm. and I'll feel very over emotional and I'll feel like everything is insurmountable mm. and I know that that's not me because I like to take things piece by piece and manage them and when everything feels unmanageable that's when I know that I've become incredibly overwhelmed and I actually um just before uh, going off an adoption leave this time I made a list of all the things that were overwhelming me and I'd had a really good conversation with my friend who he lives a very different life to mine but we were both saying that this past couple of years the feeling of being overwhelmed has hit us both really really hard more than anything else ever has 
And I made a list of all the things that were overwhelming me and I put it to a side and I actually looked at it the other day and I thought, I can't believe I was worried about that. I can't believe I was worried about that. But at the time it was just all that you're so accurate with all the things that individually normally you completely handle when you hit that Mm. point, all of them feel impossible or, oh, this is a terrible choice. I shouldn't be doing this. It's a horrible feeling. I think for me, recognizing my own mental health is a big thing and knowing when to speak to the doctor is a big thing and uh, so if, if it may be that I need need a bit of help I now know to ask for that that was quite hard in 2020 because it felt like everybody needed help and who was I to be asking yeah. for help but it's something that I am now infinitely better at asking for help um a therapist is just I'm so fortunate that I've been in the position to be able to have a therapist in the past and that's been mega. But again, I think sometimes when you're overwhelmed, you're so deep in it, you can't get out to ask for the help, can no. you? And, and, well, find yeah, a therapist. If, you, if you're like, I could probably do with talking to someone, but just that yeah. thing of going and finding oh, someone to talk gosh, to, booking to an start. appointment, that feels too much, doesn't it? When you're, It's massive. Yeah. That's why I think when we talk about what success looks like and what having it all looks like, is about breaking your life into little chunks and and saying, oh, you know I picked up the phone today to speak to the doctor, mm-hmm. or I made an appointment, or I told my friend that I was I was feeling low or I was feeling overwhelmed. I'm going to speak to a doctor. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's huge for me. Telling my friends when I'm overwhelmed is the biggest issue. Mm-hmm. Telling my family, and it's well known in my family that when I go quiet, there's something right. up. So if people can't get hold of me, there's something wrong because I, I don't talk about it. And the overwhelm, it can get as good and proper. I know that I'm snappier when I'm overwhelmed because uh, I'm not a snappy person. I'm not angry. I don't get stroppy. I'm not grumpy. I mean, I, I'm, I'm paying to myself here to be a pretty perfect person, aren't I? <laughs> so I'm probably quite similar. That it comes out snappy, mostly aimed yeah. at Doug. But then that probably is also a reflection of your relationship in that you really you know it's solid enough to take it I mean that's what I'm telling myself and him so it's two-way as well isn't it I'm sure Doug can sometimes be mm. a pain in the backside oh yeah I mean, in fact I know he is I've read about it I could start a list but that's not what this podcast is about <laughs> uh, actually I've got one for you so Mother's Day's coming so yeah. having done what you've done in the last couple of years I'm, I'm sure you're hoping for something great but just to let you know that a few years ago Mother's Day I'd been saying to Doug for about three weeks that, you know, Mother's Day is is quite popular. People will take their mum or partner out for dinner or for lunch. So you need to book somewhere. And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Just kept dismissing me. And then we got to the morning of Mother's Day and I was like, okay, so where are we going? He's like, "Um, we've got a table at 11.30 at Pizza Express. (laughs) Oh, it's like, oh. nobody wants pizza at 11 30 but also <laughs> I know you did this at the last minute I know that you waited oh. even though I didn't oh. so what are you hoping for oh I do you know I would give my right arm for a massage oh. that's that is what I would that's all I want but um I actually really want to spend Mother's Day with the wider family mm. yeah what I'd like for Mother's Day is for my husband to clear up after everybody's had a nice. curry at our house perfect that would be well, really nice to, I'm and send this to him we'll make sure that that yeah <laughs> if you could yeah yeah and if he could load the dishwasher and unload it without as well. you having to mention that the dishwasher needs loading and unloading without me having to actually load it and unload okay. it 
would be would be <laughs> ideal. Okay. That's not too much to ask. <laughs> no, you think no. not. Oh, awesome! Thank you so much, Em. Like, it's fascinating, I think, because and also there's so many parallels that just kind of, regardless of how you come to become a mother, there's going to be things that are challenges or things that feel amazing. And I just think there's just so, like you said, there's so much misinformation about adoption that it's just yeah. really lovely to speak to you and hear how it was for you well thank you Steph and and regarding the misinformation speak to your local authority if anybody's interested in adoption go and speak to your local authority or your local adoption agency and they will tell you everything you need to know don't make any assumptions it's been really nice to talk about adoption so thank you huge thank you to Em um, who was just such an easy wonderful guest to speak to as I speak we are number four in the kids and family category of the Apple podcast chart which feels amazing Um, I know the charts change all the time and it's probably very fleeting but I'm going to take it got a picture of it so that that happened now um and if you've enjoyed any of our episodes i'd be so grateful if you could rate review and subscribe to the podcast share it on your socials tell your mates all of that stuff um and obviously i think we've got 16 episodes so if you haven't listened to all of them you can go back there's plenty there and then we'll be back in about a month or so um and i've got a family holiday coming up which i'm a bit delirious about and just really bloody hoping it happens because so much has been cancelled in the last couple of years so I hope everyone is okay. I hope you have a good few weeks. Um, Stop and breathe when you can. And thank you so much for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.